Welcome to the Playmaker Podcast, a podcast for people who want to sell different. Playmakers wage war against traditional sales and win. Remember, success is just one play away. Welcome, everybody, to the Playmaker Podcast. We've got another great episode. You've got your host, Gabe Larson. We're going to be talking about prospecting and some of the myths around that. And to do that, we brought on Gord Smith, consulting partner at the Rain Group, and Dan McDonald, business development at the Rain Group. Gord, how the heck are you? And Dan, how the heck are you? Uh, really good. Looking forward to the session. Yeah. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. I know everybody's always busy, but I think this will be a cool topic and a cool study uh, that you guys did uh, not too long ago. But before we jump in, maybe you guys can take just a minute and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Gord, can we start with you? Um, what do you do over there at the Rain Group? And maybe take just a minute and tell us a little bit about the Rain Group. Yeah, sure. So I'm a consulting partner at the Rain Group. I primarily focus on uh, the Canadian market. Um, the Rain Group is a global sales consulting sales performance uh, company. We do a lot of work around with uh, companies improving their overall sales process, messaging, et cetera. And uh, we also help uh, develop their sellers through a, a number of different training programs. I love it. Love it, uh, Dan. Uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, and myself, um, working with Gord about three years now. Uh, we're uh, getting the Rain Group going in Canada, and uh, we're real excited about what it brings to the uh, Canadian industry. We uh, we don't uh, we don't know borders all that well. We spend a lot of time also in the U.S. And uh, as Gordon said, we're we're working on bringing the Rain Group along and and uh, exposing it to the uh, to the various markets in Canada and the U.S. I love it. I love it. Um, big fan of the Rain Group. A lot of great research. If you've not checked it out, you ought to. Um, and that. Um, uh, you'll be able to see that on at the rain group.com. So um, as we jump into this, um, how do you guys, maybe before we jump into the, the actual conversation at hand, um, is there something, you know, outside of work, uh, Dan, maybe we can start with you. You're passionate about, or, um, you know, kind of an embarrassing moment or something. Uh, uh, any fun hobbies? <laughs> well, that's a, that's an interesting question. That could go a lot of different ways, but um Outside of work, my passion, um, hate to be a stereotype, um, as I am uh, calling it from Canada, but uh, my my actual passion is uh, ice hockey. I'm a, I'm a hockey player. Of, uh, I kind of picked it up midlife, which is uh, is late for a Canadian, but um, I, uh, my outside of work absolutely is, is to, to uh, put the blades on and, uh, you know, jump in the frozen pond and, and uh, play a game of hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally, I wouldn't let you get away with that one because Canadians do love hockey. But the mid, the midlife crisis picking up hockey, I'll give you that one is uh, something unique, uh, unique to yourself. That's awesome. Um, uh, Gord, over to you. Yeah, so I'm I'm a little bit like Dan, a hockey guy, but I traded uh, hockey for soccer in my midlife. Uh, so you know, <laughs> I have a couple kids that play. I coach it. You know, I've been on the board of directors for. Uh, a soccer club and yeah if there's some, if i have free time on saturday i'm watching soccer i love it man i'll have to i've got uh three boys um and uh, two of them are playing soccer and i'm a basketball guy by trade and i've been trying to watch some youtube videos but just not 
picking it up very fast. So I might have to sneak some secrets on me because I coach them both. Anyways, um, let's get into this topic at hand, uh, this concept of uh, prospecting and these myths. So it sounds like you guys um, did a research study um, that really dove into this concept of prospecting, what's going on, why it's going on, how it's going on. Um, Gordon, maybe you can just take a minute and kind of set up why you guys wanted to do this and what the study actually was trying to get to. Yeah. So, I mean, when we, tra- when we travel with different sales organizations, uh, you know, almost all organizations are struggling with prospecting. I mean, it's changed so much over the, even over the last couple of years, you know, social and, you know, people are hard to get a hold of and it's such a critical part of the sales function. So, we, we thought it would be really interesting to kind of look at what top performance in prospecting looks like. Uh, we have a panel of sales leaders around the world that we conduct our research with, and we just wanted to learn, you know, what, what does top performance look like? And then share some of the insights from, uh, from our research with our research panel. Yeah, interesting. So this is kind of a research panel. Again, Rain Group's, I think, known for some of the uh, – uh, research you guys have done over the years um this one in particular and also i love that one on what's that one called uh, where you've looked at high high performing companies and some of the things they do different do you know what i'm talking about yeah it's, yeah it's uh, the study we did uh, about a year ago it's on um uh what's we did one on what do sales winners do differently and the top performing sales organization those were the two related studies yeah those were fantastic um, those both came across my desk and i thought that was really thought provoking um and, and interesting as well so it's not just this prospecting one but again you'll find some others over at the rain group so i'd love to go through this a little bit you guys and hear um, you know not in extreme detail but maybe you can get us a little bit of the overview on some of the findings or maybe some of the surprises that you found as you guys dove into this so dan at the top was there a couple things that you, that jumped out to you or one thing that jumped out to you that was a little more surprising as this data uh, kind of surfaced well one thing just to sort of set the stage a little bit gabe um when we look at data ring uh, of course we're we're sales focused but uh, this particular study the demographics are interesting because our in in our research we talked to 488 buyers and 489 sellers so when we look at topics uh like prospecting you know sales types of functions we we really like to look at them from both the perspective of the seller and the buyer and that that buyer information is absolutely critical when we're coaching and teaching sellers we get them into that buyer's mindset and that's one of the 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 critical critical aspects of uh, of many of our rain group studies is uh, we have that that more full complete complete view of these these processes to, to really help educate the consumers of our research. So that's uh, that's one thing that I found that we we do with Rain Group. We have in many of our past studies and we do again in this one. You know, you think prospecting, oh yeah, that's that's uh, what the seller's doing. Yeah, but we have to look at it from the buyer's perspective too, because that's extremely important information for educating sellers. Oh, I love that. That's right. I mean, kind of that uh, you're going to always get two different opinions, you know, one one from people who are actually doing it, one who are people, you know, actually receiving it. What was the, um, again, just to kind of double click one more on that, Dan, um, you mentioned demographics. Um, just to, it, it sounded about, about 500 total people that you were talking to as we looked at this kind of prospecting arena. Is that correct? 
Well, it'd be 500 on each side of the uh, of the oh, sorry. Uh, you know the buying model. So uh, uh, almost 500 buyers and, and pretty well the same number of sellers. And again, a, a wide range of of industries, um, over 25 industries on each side. And uh, this is also again this is a global, like most of our rain group studies. Uh, research study. This is a global group of people. Uh, the biggest group is in the Americas, but notwithstanding its uh, its uh, worldwide representation and all kinds of different roles of people that are involved in the in the buying and selling uh, arenas. I love it. Perfect. So for you, I mean, was this the first time, Dan, that you guys had done this study, or was this this particular yeah, this is, this is the first prospecting study? Yeah, it's the first prospect. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I mean, having it, having it be the first time, uh, Gord, uh, let, let's hit hit you real quick here. You know what what jumped out is kind of. I mean, it sounded obviously there was five things. Was there something though that kind of popped out on top for you that was a little more surprising <laughs> than others? Yeah, well, yeah, there was actually. It's one one statistic from the study that kind of really jumped out at me was that you know. Um, you hear all kinds of research. It depends on what firm you talk to, what think tank, that buyers are a long way through the buying journey before they reach out to sellers. You hear 57%, 67%, depending on who you're talking to. And, you know, it's almost setting the stage for, hey, you know, uh, you know, salesperson number one, two, three, why bother prospecting, right? People are doing their own research and so forth. And uh, we were able to determine in the study that 82% of buyers will accept meetings from uh, outreach from a seller, from people they don't know. Huh. And not only did, will they accept meetings, but they, they actually prefer to hear from sellers and early in the sales process. So, you know, uh, during the you know, early part of the sales process, we like to call it defining the vision. It's before their, the client's actually ready to buy. 71%. Uh, of, of buyers want to hear from a seller. Uh, so the takeaway really for me is that, you know, I think that paradigm is not, ent- not entirely true is that it, 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 you know, the earlier you can get in front of the buyer, the better. And they want you to do that. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I'm, I like how you phrased it as a myth because that is, that's right. I mean, I think that's in, in prospecting in particular, it's tough to reach out. Sometimes we just assume that, um, we're all kind of used car salesmen and no one wants to hear from us. But um, I do feel like, you know, being someone who, you know, buys or looks in, at technology and services that, um, you know, I might be a little weird because I play in the same space as you in sales and some of our sales technology. But I, I look, I do look forward actually to a cold call every once in a while. And I do look forward to kind of seeing what's out there and hearing the latest pitches, et cetera. And sounds like I'm not too far off so that's kind of on your side um gord dan on on yours was there one of these five that was a little more kind of oh that was a little bit surprising for you yeah the one that uh, is interesting to me and it's reiterated in this study and we've we've seen it in the past also um and and that's a myth that you you can't do cold calling anymore that's that it's it's gone into a, a dinosaur thing of the past and and again this study reiterated that um Cold calling is an essential part of a prospecting uh, scenario. And, and the, 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 the two methods that are most favored from a cold perspective are email and phone call. And, uh, you know, we've all heard that cold calling's dead. You can't do it anymore. We have to find a different way. All these educated buyers out there. Uh, when in fact, what our, what our study showed is that email 
and phone call are still very relevant ways of, of starting a prospecting exercise and, and very, very important. So, you know, we're, we're still banging the drum for having that, that uh, process to put all this together, uh, having a, a, a multi-touch sort of approach to prospecting, blending the different methods and finding for your particular uh, geography, industry, et cetera, what works best. And it's always a moving target, but looking at these different methods, um, email, phone call, et cetera, different ways of, of outreach and finding what works for you and, and blending it into a repeatable scenario. Interesting. I mean, that's one that... Uh I'm sure a, a m- multiple listeners are kind of scratching their head on because it it's such a clickbaity topic uh, to write about. You know, cold calling is dead, and truthfully, you know, even email is dead. Um, it must sometimes just be like I said, something fun to get a couple e- extra clicks on a page. But um, it is odd, or maybe it's interesting that a lot of people write, and I think that's maybe part of the issue with sales in general. Right? We've got so many consultants or, or, um, you know, these thought leaders who have made some money, gone off on their own and are preaching kind of their methodology that made them successful. And does it lack date? I mean, it, it, it lacks, I guess, data in that sense, right? Certainly I think they're experienced and they've done it, but this is an interesting perspective because it actually takes both sides and the phone call isn't dead. Why do you feel like, I mean, I'm looking at the, the results right here and I'm seeing that the phone and email and um, is, is fairly high and something that, and, and, and look, I'm a multi-channel guy. I think you always need to be looking around it, but you've got something like LinkedIn here that at least in the B2B world is how it's popular. And um, it's, you know, this whole kind of social selling movement. It appears though, as I look at the graph that maybe it's not the, maybe I shouldn't just be a social seller. Gord, how do I think about, you know, LinkedIn using this data? Is it a tool that I shouldn't use or is it maybe just not as popular as we we thought it was? I think, I think um, generating responses and getting conversations going with people you don't know uh, is uh, most successful when you combine these techniques. Right. So it's not a, I'm just going to email. I'm just going to call. I'm just going to do LinkedIn. It's about creating an attraction campaign that is a combination. So maybe you send a couple emails, leave a voicemail, connect on LinkedIn, send another email, make another phone call. And when you can combine those and plan them out and have a really good offer and a really good message, then you get the highest response rate. So I think sometimes sellers are looking for a, like one, one single silver bullet. Like, oh, I need to switch all my efforts to LinkedIn. And, you know, our, our research and our experience is that you need multi-touch, multimodal kind of outreach. Yeah. That Because, I, you know, me personally, I'm into LinkedIn every day. So if somebody sends a LinkedIn message, I'm going to look at it. Somebody else might go into LinkedIn once a week, right? Or maybe less, right? So, so that's kind of my takeaway is that, is that combining them you know, into a really good outreach, you know, that attracts your prospects is the, you know, is, is a best practice. Yeah. Yeah. Finding kind of that balance is something we all probably need to find when it came to some of these communication methods. Um, was there, I, I mean, I, you basically hit them all, you know, direct mail and text and voicemail. I mean, do you feel like you're seeing, um, some of these communication methods that are, 
you know, kind of dying out a little bit. I mean, I literally, before I jumped on this, I looked at a tweet on, on, uh, on Twitter that, you know, it was kind of like, don't voicemail, don't use voicemail or don't, don't call me and leave a voice message. I won't listen to it. You guys are idiots. Um, any quick thought, thoughts on that, Dan? Well, um, yeah, again, I think just to, to um, hammer home on Gord's point, uh, there's not one method that's going to work for all people. And you're going to find some who won't take a voicemail, uh, some who will ne- not open your email. But we're we're trying to hit, especially, you know, from a cold perspective, we we will try to, um, you know, look at our targets as as, as well as we can. But, at, at you know, at some point, you're, it's a bit of a gamble. You really don't know the people, the, the, the recipients as, as well as you, you'd like to long term. So you have to take some chances. And what we're saying is try a bunch of different methods and you will find trends and we do find trends on different campaigns we run so when we see trends uh, we're really always analyzing our feedback and when we see something that that seems to be starting to work a little bit more we'll be very flexible in terms of of making movements as we see fit to um, you know go with what's hot and uh, so that's what we're always looking at uh, do the broad approach uh, look at the different methods, uh, you know, go into the thought of combining them. And if we do find preferences, then we'll, we'll kind of move in that direction. But until we know differently, uh, we'll try a bunch of different things, that combination of, of different outreach methods Love to that. try to, you know, try to get them all taken care of. Yeah, it's funny because every time you start to back away, I, I, I see this one guy on Twitter kind of say he thinks voicemail is terrible. And I was talking to the CRO at a, co- a company called Discover Org, and she said, or excuse me, Chief Growth Officer, and um, <laughs> she's like, no, I, I love looking at my voicemail, and so you know, I think your point's probably fair. You just, you, you just don't know. I want to hear a couple more of these, uh, Gordon. Maybe you can hit kind of uh, number three on this. What, what was the third myth that you thought was uh, kind of outstanding there? Yeah, I would say. Um you know, it's the concept of breaking through that that's really a big challenge. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, and there's some really good data on what it, what a seller can influence around breaking through. And one of the, the sort of number one thing that I, I always kind of go back to is uh, a lot of organizations we see in industry focus on communicating the value of their offering. And so if you reach out to someone cold and you talk about, you know, here's what my product does or here's what my service does. And that's your initial focus, your outreach. Um, there's often not enough value communicated as to why the buyer should meet with you. So, you know, the focus should really be on offering something of value. Maybe it's research. Maybe it's a best practice. Maybe it's a client study. Maybe it's, you know, it's some sort of value. And, you know, so focus on a message that sells the value of the, of the first meeting and what the buyer is going to get out of it and uh, save the value of your offering for a subsequent meeting once you've established credibility. So that to me was kind of, you know, just reorienting yourself around how you prospect and focus on value, focusing on value offers. Yeah. Do you feel, I mean, it sounds like, and certainly as I listen to even some on my own sales team, they, they get kind of in a rut where they want to get people's time maybe without giving value. You mentioned research as a way to do that. Do you feel like you've seen a couple different tactics or strategies to actually get that value, you know, get, give them value before you kind of ask for a lot back? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, 
as you know, we do a lot of research and that's really kind of our go-to strategy around offering value uh-huh. uh, is to, to share some research, right? Hey, you know, what are, you know, what are top performing organizations do differently? Get someone on the phone, walk them through it. You know, there's no deep discussion about uh, what we're offering. We're just providing them insight that makes, helps them do their job better. Tells them something they didn't already know. Yeah. And then, you know, if you do that on a consistent, repeatable basis, people will start to come back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's funny. I think you guys have a natural way to do that through research. Um, you know, I think a lot of sales reps struggle. I think they get the idea that I should give value. Um, but then when, when push comes to shove, they get on the phone, you know, or they, they're in their email and it's kind of like, Hey, do you want to see a demo or not? Or do you want to, you know, do you yeah. want to that takes, you know, certainly practice Practice makes perfect, but I think the concept is, is absolutely spot on. Uh, Dan, let's jump back to you. I want to see if we can get these last points before we wrap here. Um, number four myth um, on the list. What was your thoughts? What was it? Well, again, I, uh, just not to uh, derail the conversation, but just to continue on, on the, the last myth, just to finish it off. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's correct, you know, and we always, uh, you know, we, we believe in insight selling. So we believe that when we uh, when we meet with buyers, um, we want to make sure that we bring insights, we bring value to the conversations. And that's all, you know, that that is our, our, our strategy for sure. But the other thing to keep in mind is um, at, at some point, you know, you have this thought in your mind that that buyers are so educated, they don't need to hear about your capabilities. They know that already. Well, to a large extent, they do much more than they used to in the past. They have access to your website, and and you know they can go around and and look at what you're all about. But that ability to take those insightful conversations and always keep in mind your end game that we have to move this towards where does our our product, our service, our offering fit in, and that's that's a real critical part of when to blend in um, your own. Uh, product set with the the insights you've offered and and when we talk to buyers they tell us that that it's a combination of insights and capabilities those are the two things i want to hear from you don't just start with just you know product capabilities here's what you do here's you'll you'll lose them we know that but blending in that insight conversation the way you've captured the buyer's interest and moving it subtly along until you get to the point where your product is now part of that conversation and the buyer has connected those dots and saying ah yeah uh, yeah i understand the problem you you know you showed to me really well and i can see where you're 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 going to help me with that uh, that's that aha moment and when you're you're getting that buyer to actually become your internal advocate and become your internal salesperson, so it's really that uh, you know the, the proper time to introduce and and bring your own offering along into the conversation is is a real uh, important thing that that I picked away from this. That was really powerful. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I've struggled with that personally. You know, where it uh, um, to, to bring the two together, you know, um, the maybe some of the best practices you do and the technology and see if you can merge that in a, a good conversation. I've had sometimes people be, hey, do you guys just, you know, insightsales.com, do you just do best practices? And it's like, oh, no, we do. You know, we, we have technology to support a lot of that. So to be able to bring those two together, I think it'd be really powerful. Um, so, Dan, finishing up here, number four on the list, um, what was it? What was kind of your take on it? 
Well, the, the next one I would say that was important is that um, the, the, the whole concept, getting back to this, uh, the, the start of the prospecting cycle and the cold meetings, they, they won't go anywhere and won't convert to sales wins. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't find that, that uh, we see that again, and it gets back to that value conversation. Uh, we found in this research that if, if buyers see value in what you bring, um, you're going to get more uh, initial meetings and you're going to get more, you're going to convert those into more sales wins. So just because you're starting with that, you know, that cold meeting, that first introduction, uh, that doesn't mean it's not going to go anywhere. And and we really believe and we've seen uh, that we can convert the, that that kind of cold start into, into a sales win. I love it. Yeah, interesting. Um, thinking about time, um, Gord, maybe we'll we'll jump right to number five. Can you wrap wrap up the list here and um, what was your take on, on the last one? Yeah, so um, I would say there's there's uh, you know some some methods that help make the you know once you get the meeting to Dan's point uh, to make the meetings more valuable. And the, the interesting statistic that I think uh, I'd want to leave with you would be that you know the buyers told us that 58 percent of the meetings they have uh, with sellers were not valuable. Which is, you know, astonishing to me. So, you know, almost six out of 10 times they meet with the seller, they don't get any value. And, you know, the strategies that uh, help to mitigate that is, you know, think about the meeting with the buyer as, uh, you know, educating them on new ideas, providing an insight, providing a unique perspective. As a result of meeting with the seller, they have a better and deeper understanding of their needs and, you know, they focus, the, the seller focuses on bringing value. I think uh, that doing that and doing it well, you know, drastically increases the conversion of cold meetings to, you know, opportunities. Yeah, interesting. 58%, huh? Um, yeah, that's too bad. That, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not too surprised, I guess, when I hear it. Um, is again, I think sometimes we get into these meetings and it, it's more about us than it is them, but it, it's got to be possible to flip that around. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's I, like I said, I, I do think it's probably people getting in those conversations and saying, you know, it, it gets back to probably your point number two or three there on how do you get those value rather than trying to, you know, get across you know, just what you want. And I think sometimes we get lost in that, that mix, but well, interesting guys. Um, our time as we, as we wrap here, I appreciate you both jumping on. I know busy schedules want to just, I mean, a lot of information, a lot of great points, certainly these concepts around breaking the myths around prospecting. Maybe I'll give each of you just a quick minute to summarize or kind of give parting thoughts, Dan, maybe we can start with you as you, do you think about this study of prospecting in general, how would you kind of, sum it up or leave the audience here um well i think that uh again we're we're rain group is a a research company but um uh, what gordon i do is we we actually take that research and make it actionable so we we run with this in real life and we do sales consulting and you know we do uh uh, prospecting ourselves uh, on behalf of other companies so we've been through all this and 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 worked with it and what i i find really interesting and, and one of the pieces I take away from this, and it gets, always gets back to value. That's um, a big takeaway. If, if sellers find, or sorry, if buyers find sellers valuable, 
you'll find that the sellers will find they'll convert more of those initial meetings into into sales somewhere down the line. So it's always that concept of bringing value in the conversation. So keeping that as the mantra, uh, bringing value to these to these different uh, conversations is uh, is extremely important. And, and this research uh, shows that again as a very important factor. Love it, love it, um, uh, Gord. Over to you. Summary thoughts or kind of yeah. Take- yeah. So, my, so you know, um, uh, I think that uh, sales prospecting uh, it can work. It's a viable strategy. It can have a material impact on your pipeline, on your sales if you do it well. Uh, and I think that a lot of organizations uh, that I've worked with maybe give up a little too early. Uh, so I would encourage them to think through, you know, the message, the tactics, the outreach. You know, um, you know, having good structure to their meetings, those types of things. If they do all those little things well, uh, pr- prospecting can be a huge source of uh, of new clients and new revenue. Love it, love it. Um, great points, you guys, and great study. Um, if someone wants to get a hold, learn a little bit more about the Rain Group, Gord, what's the um, what would you recommend for you guys individually, and, and then maybe just the Rain Group? Is it best just to hit the website, or is there another? means to, to learn more about what you guys do? Uh, the, the website is great. You can uh, you can find me and Dan on the website. Uh, our numbers are there and emails. Um, and there's also a lot of our content that relates to these type of topics is, uh, is resident on our website or in our blog. Uh, so that would be my recommendation. I love it. I love it. Good. Yeah, you can check that out. I will make sure we put a link to this study in the show notes. So Dan, Gord, really appreciate you both jumping on. And for the audience, remember, uh, success is one play away. Oh,